0: you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We discovered that the family of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob is very much like our families, very similar. They struggled in their walk with God. When when he was about ready to enter into Egypt, Abraham looked at his wife, Sarah, and they had a talk, and they decided that because of her beauty that they would say that she was his sister, which was half true. She was a sister, half-sister, but she was married to him. Twice Abraham lied, first to Pharaoh and then to Abimelech. Sarah then encouraged Abraham to take Hagar, her maid, and it threw her, that a descendant, Would come. And yet God said no. But in all this, God said to Abraham, uh, about Abraham, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Hebrews 11 says that it was by faith that Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice to God when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God has said that through him, Isaac is the son in whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham sent his servant back to Haran to find a wife for Isaac, and God faithfully provided Rebekah. Isaac followed his father's footsteps by lying to Abimelech, saying that Rebecca was his sister, you see that passing down. Isaac and Rebecca struggled in their parenting skills; each had favorites. Isaac favored Esau, and Rebecca, Jacob. So we see the dysfunctional family there. Jacob was a deceiver and a manipulator. Rebecca helped. Jacob deceived Isaac into giving Jacob that blessing from Jacob. And as Jacob fled Haran, he had a dream of a stairway with angels going up and down this stairway, and at the top was God. And in the dream, God repeats that covenant that he had made With Abraham and Isaac, saying, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground that you're lying on belongs to you, and I'm giving it to you and your descendants. And they will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. In Oran, Jacob met his match. His uncle Laban, Laban, if you remember, deceived Jacob, slipping his oldest daughter in the wedding tent instead of Rachel. Of course, eventually he married Rachel and lived there and and worked for Laban for many years. And then finally in secret, they left with all their livestock and children and headed out to meet Esau. And on the way, you remember Jacob wrestled with God Jacob, no doubt, was wrestling with himself in his anxiety and fear as he was headed to meet Esau. But it was the wrestling with God that impacted him. God of course had been wrestling with Jacob all his life, trying to get Jacob to be the man that God wanted him to be. God could have overwhelmed Jacob. But God wants to win him over just as he wants to win each of us over. We, too, must want to yield to God's purpose and vision for us if we're to change in an authentic way. But Jacob, at this point, and probably throughout his whole life, never really did. And yet God does bless him. And he gives him a new name, Israel saying, you have fought with God and with men and have won. And the solemnness of this name change is that, yes, Jacob is indeed a fighter, but he fights with God. He fights with God to remain the person that he is, and not becoming the man that God wants him to be. And God strives with each of us like Jacob to become the kind of man or woman or child that God wants us to be. And we, too, as people, try to avoid sometimes the person that God wants to make us into. But he continues to struggle with us day in and day out. If you remember, Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. My two wives and two concubines in that household, that family was so dysfunctional, there was competition among the wives and concubines as to who could have the most children. And among the children, there was competition. There was hate for Joseph because Joseph was the favorite one. Joseph, in the midst of all of this, was sold by his brothers into slavery for 13 years, two of those in prison. And over and over, as we see, Joseph in prison, we see that it said over and over that God was with him. God was with him. And God gave him success, first with Potiphar in a the household. And then when Potiphar threw him into prison because of a false charge of rape by his wife, God's word says that God was with Joseph and that he gave him success with the chief warden. And finally, Joseph found favor with Pharaoh and became the second in charge. And it was after Pharaoh had made him second in charge that he was finally reunited with his brothers. And twice, as he was reun- reunited and as his brothers were in fear, he said to them, basically, You mean it for evil, but God it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. It took many years for that promise to Abraham that God will begin and fulfill this promise to bless people through Abraham. You see, through Joseph, God blessed all nations. God has a purpose for your life and for my life. He wants to transform us. He wants to make us more like Jesus Christ. He wants us to be on mission as we've talked about over the years or over the past months. He wants us to use the spiritual gifts that He's given us. He wants us to realize that in Christ Jesus, He gave us these gifts to be used to minister to the body of Christ and to those outside of Christ and not for ourselves. For today as we look back, we're going to have a series of three testimonies of individuals who've been impacted by the lives of these men and women that we've looked over these past several weeks.
1: shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel.
2: Thanks, Gary. Uh, good morning, um, church family. Um, like Aaron said, my name is Jeff Mayra. Um, my family... Uh, my wife, Leslie, my kids, Noah, Cohen, and Maggie. Um, I think everyone knows Maggie. Um, so, um, you know, Carrie, Carrie mentioned this uh, the last couple weekends that they were going to do testimonies. And um, I thought, who here loves hearing testimonies in church by raising hand. And who here in church gets queasy when they think about them doing their own testimony in church? Okay, I'm not alone there. Okay, Um, So, um, Carrie asked me, I didn't volunteer Carrie asked me, I was like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, And uh, I appreciate that, I'll say that. And um, part of that transitions into my story is all about people. People in my life, whether they be um, family, friends, or people that I don't want to be near. And Uh, It starts, you know, my story starts, my parents were divorced when I was really young, and my dad ended up living in the Detroit area, and I grew up in uh, the upper peninsula of Michigan with my mom. And my dad, they both got remarried, and I would spend a month, my brother and I would spend a month with my dad and stepmom every summer um, in the Detroit area. And my dad's uh, new wife was, we were told she was a born-again Christian, and it's like I don't know what that means. I'm Catholic. I guess I was five, so it didn't really make sense to me. Um, but we would go down, and we saw Jesus in this woman's life. She prayed with us. She read the Bible. She told us stories, and sent us the VBS. And um, I specifically remember uh, at about six years old, and of VBS, thinking this makes sense. I like what my stepmom is like. I don't want to be like that. So I raised my hand and went to the back of the church with my counselor and said the salvation prayer. Um, And then I went back home to my Catholic church with my Irish Catholic mom and didn't really have anyone to teach me what that meant to follow Jesus. Um, I'd see glimpses of it when I'd spend time with my dad and stepmom. But, um, so kind of all through elementary school and high school, didn't have someone showing me what that looked like, um, in high school, I started dating someone who ended up being my wife. Um, and we ended up going to the same college together. And halfway through college, we'd been looking to go to church. Uh, God was tugging somehow um, to be going to church. And so we were looking for two years and didn't find anywhere. Finally, find, like, my dad and stepmom live an hour away. Let's go there. So every other weekend, we would go to church with them. And God was really moving in both of us at that time. Um, really helping us to see that faith needed to be primary in our life um, and we ended up uh, both ending up here in Chicago right after college and um, tried to find uh, tried to tried to find a small church in barrington i don 't know if you've ever heard of that one <laughs> um, and uh, we were driving around we couldn 't find it you know um, so we literally Could not find the largest church in the country. Um, And uh, ended up, the following weekend, heard about Park Community Church and started going there. Um, And God continued to just make sense to us. And, like, we wanted this to be part of our life. Um, We got married a year later, and we, uh, you know, back to the amount of people that were impactful in our life. Started with my stepmom when I was young, continued with my stepmom when we were. In college, for both me and my wife, and then when we got to um, Chicago, we started going to park and got married. we got into a small group and uh, being in a small group was incredibly important for us um, we didn 't have you know um, that example of what it what it was like to live with jesus as at the center and just living life with these other married couples that were experiencing the same things we were but had had that same desire was incredibly important for us, um, and we also were fortunate to end up serving with a group um, at the Lincoln Park Community Shelter through our church. And again, just the people and that we're surrounded with there, and their desire to love Jesus and love other people was um, was incredibly impactful and really helped us to shape you know shape our faith. Um, we ended up moving to Logan Square uh, eight years ago and shortly thereafter enrolled our first child in the local public school and we felt like we were really developing community. Our intention was to love our neighbors, to meet those that live near us, to engage with the people at school um, and really uh, do our best to to love them in hopes that they would see where the source of our love is from. And we, during that whole time, we were going to a church that was a bit, it was a park Community church, and we were kind of driving 15 minutes, driving, you know, miles away. And we really felt God calling us to, um, that our community around us, our neighbors in school and at the park district and everything that we're involved with, was very separate from where our church community was. And so um, a year and a half ago, we, I guess two years ago, God really put it on our heart, like, you need to make this change. And so we were looking for churches. And we tried a number of churches kind of in the Logan Square area, and we ended up here. And um, a a big part of what we were searching for was, was community and Jesus. We wanted to see the gospel. And we walked in. Um, I think it was July two years ago, and, and all we heard about was Jesus. And it was. Uh, we kind of looked at each other and we're like, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and the community we experience here has come through, you know, small group. I guess mosaic. I'm still getting used to that that term. Um, and uh, that's been an amazing blessing for us. But. um,
3: she
2: like, All right, I guess I'll I'll continue. Um the importance of community in our life and, and uh, the people around us has been um, has been really special. Um, and a real intention of our family is to not just be involved with our our church community, but also our neighbors. Um, and you know, like I said, we moved into Logan Square eight years ago, but then two years ago we moved into a new house. And um, it turns out the house that was less than three feet away from us, right next to us, was a gang house. And um, it was really challenging. Uh, It was pretty much a party almost every night. There was gunshots a number of times. Um, But I knew God had us where he had us. And we as a family had moments of fear, but... um, through God's grace, we were able to overcome that, and uh, God encouraged me to seek these people out next door. Um, sometimes, I think it was crazy, it was only God, but um, I got to know the the man that lived there. Uh, he had a, a girlfriend and three kids, and there was always many other people in and out of the house. Um, but God allowed me to develop a relationship with this man, and... Um, it was not easy, but, um, he, we were the same age. We both had three kids and, you know, I grew up with different privileges than he did. And God, God helped me to see that. And, um, amazingly, uh, this family was kicked out of their house because of a young child was shot and injured. It was crazy circumstance um but god kept this man in my life somehow Um, we were playing basketball together and um i found out that his brother is a christian and goes to new life and he started going with him um and it was just kind of mind-blowing to me um and but then I hadn't seen him in six months and just uh, this Tuesday we ended up playing basketball again together and I realized that like this man is just like me um, and God loves him just as much as he loves me and I think it was uh, like I said it was a real challenging time in our life but just completely eye-opening that that God loves us all and we need to love others like he does and um, I'm excited that uh He's still in my life. I'm excited that we have new neighbors that aren't as dangerous, um, (laughs) potentially. Uh, And I'm excited that, you know, we also have met many other neighbors right by our house, and we're having a block party in July and developing relationships with these people. And now we go to a church that is two blocks away, and we can invite them to come along with us. And um, something that my wife and I... uh, are working on right now is this the welcome team and we've got a lot of people signed up um, we're having a uh, training kickoff meeting in two weeks and um, I feel like we want to help create a space where people like my neighbor um, all of our neighbors want to come and find out about Jesus and meet people and be invested and involved in great community so thank you
1: Morning.
3: Give me a second, real
1: quick.
3: So, uh, kind of like Jeff said, uh, Carrie, uh, I didn't volunteer. Uh, Carrie asked. Yeah. It's a continuous thing, huh? But, yeah, so, I'll. Uh, I want to start off my testimony just by uh, saying thank you, good news. You know, thank you for everything. Uh, and this kind of just connects with my testimony only because uh, my mom, when I was in fifth grade, she she was looking for a uh, Boys and Girls Club. She was looking uh, for something to keep me and my brother Justin active and just doing something and she couldn't find one, uh, so she actually found Inner City Impact, a youth group instead, and it was a lot more fun. <laughs> uh, we got to play sports, play air hockey, play all that little fun stuff, but then um, we actually learned about God, and this was interesting to me because my family, my family uh, at the time, we were all Catholic, uh, my family is still Catholic, well, except me <laughs> um, and my little brother. Uh, but um, along the lines, uh, a couple months passed during fifth grade, and I was what, ten? Ten? Yeah, ten. And <laughs> um, this one of the mentors, her name was Edith Greaves. She was giving me a ride back to ICI Inner City Impact, um, and uh, she asked me, we had um, a very long conversation. Um, it led to her asking me, uh, Oscar, do you believe in God? Like, me being a 10-year-old, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. You know? um, but uh, she asked She asked it a second time more with emotion. She asked, like, do you really believe in God? Like, like have you placed your faith in him? Did you actually, like, do you want to have a relationship with him? I started actually being serious about it. I mean, as serious as a 10 year old can get, but you know, um, I thought about it and I said, yeah, I really do want to have a relationship with God. That move and just that little push, that answer that I gave her. She helped me get closer and closer to not just inner city impact, but another mentor who, who used to be a church member here. His name was Brian Ralph. He took me under his wing. He mentored me. Um, he t- uh, we had small group sessions, um, and he one day brought me here and got me connected to you guys. Good news. And it was it was interesting because, again, like I said, my family was Catholic. It was it was a weird it was a weird feeling going to another church, and but it blew my mind. It was like, wow, this is so incredible. This is this is awesome, and it actually makes sense. Again, as much as a ten year old can get sense out of, the, yeah, but um, it was incredible. I loved it, and moving, moving forward with that. Uh, Sorry. Uh, um, moving forward with that they, they've they helped me out and uh, it's been what, nine years now since I've been coming to Good News and it's been a true it's been a blessing I've been moving forward with ICI as well I I've been going still for the past nine years, they've still moved in my life, in my heart. They've been so supportive of me. Um, it's been an honor. And again, um, moving now, uh, June, June of 2015, uh, my dad got deported. Uh, at this time, like my, it was just my mom, my three, my three brothers, my two older and one younger. And myself, uh, we we struggled, and we just kept moving forward. Um, January came along, and um, January of 2016 came along, and uh, my mom hears the, uh, gets this call from some businessman saying that, oh, she has a house in Mexico, willing to he's willing to pay so much money, American dollars, not not pesos so it was it was it was even better. Um, she hears this call, but the businessman says she has to be in Mexico so he can make the call so he they can make the arrangement. She goes to Mexico for the betterment of us um, so that left my brothers and I alone. Uh, we still had an uncle here, and that was he was still one of the people that we still had. Uh, the neighbor came along. <laughs> just seems to be a cycle, doesn't it? Uh, our, my uncle passed away, and he died because of cancer and kidneys. And that struck us. That that hit us hard. Now we truly realized we were alone. We realized it was just the four of us. It was hard. It was something that we thought we wouldn't like out of all things why would this happen and like it was something that really hit us Uh, we're moving forward and right now i'm trying my hardest doing school and work trying to help out my brother providing the best i can for my family my uncle he was he was the thing he was the spiritual foundation in our family. He was the the person that they would go to for just prayer, for help, for support, for peace of mind. When he was gone, stuff started feeling hectic, chaotic. I thought I would just, step, and I thought I could step in, but then I realized it was a hard thing. God started working in my heart and in my, in my family to put this onto me, and I was. Thankful for that. I was thankful that he used the church to use me for my family. You know, it was something that was like, uh, uh, like it blew my mind. I didn't know. I didn't. I knew God was powerful, but I didn't. I myself just doubted. Now I'm glad that I don't have to doubt. You know, I'm glad that He's still providing. Moving forward, again, kind of like how Carrie said, uh, I'm going to be moving. I'm going to be going to Moody Bible Institute in the fall. He, he was working. God's been working in my life. God's been working in my heart. He used this this past um, uh, section of our good news uh, sermons. And showed me so much that about. God showed me so much about how, for example, Abraham, he thought that he had a plan when it came to using his wife. I mean, he used his wife to try to uh, get certain things, take certain things into. He took matters into his own hands. And that's how nowadays we are sometimes. I mean, we try to take matters into our own hands, not realizing that we're not we're not in charge, we're not in control. Yeah, we can move some things around, but at the end of the day, we're not the people that make it happen. God is. So, again, God's. Uh, I'm going to Moody, and I hope to use that hope. Hope that hope to move forward with staying on mission, staying on like in the path that God sees fit for me using whatever God allows me to use um, to move forward hopefully it's just not me that's shown you know it's just God that's been a part of everything that has accumulated throughout all these years and I'm thankful for that thank you
1: I'm Chase, and I'm a Moody student, for you, for those of you who don't know. And I'm one of those Moody students who doesn't leave. Wherever I am is home. And, um, so yeah, we're stoked to have Oscar come in the fall, so that should be good. And I also dragged my brother on the drums. I dragged him from, actually, Florida to Chicago this past year. But I, I just want to start by sharing two highlights that I've had, or that I, two highlights for me from this sermon series. And the first one has to do with Joseph. And similar to Joseph, I have a lot of jealous older brothers. I actually have three jealous older brothers. No, I'm joking. Brayden Braden and I were texting back and forth when, uh, I don't remember who it was that was preaching, and, and it said, Joseph said to his older brothers, you're going to bow down to me one day. And I texted Brayden, I said, that's what I told you too. And he said, I was like, but you know what's up. And he's like, you'll end up in prison one day too. <laughs> okay, the other, the other one is actually more serious. Um, a little, a little more. Thinking about Abraham and Isaac, and when God asked um, Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and I thought that's such a unique request because God has promised Abraham this this generation that goes beyond him. He's promised him this blessing, and it's his biggest blessing that's going to bring God the most glory through Abraham's life. It's that biggest thing, that biggest gift that God's asking. Abraham to put on the altar. He's asking Abraham to draw back that sword and willing to to be completely rid of that blessing, completely rid of that gift that's going to bring God the most glory. And that made me think, I'll touch on this in a second when I get to the mission aspect of how I've seen God at work in my life, but I'm very um, futuristic, driven, a lot of dreams, and, and I think sometimes I, I cling on to those tight. I think about business or business ideas, and I'm I'm like I, I don't want to let these go, and I could see God really glorifying Himself through the talents that He's given me. But whenever I heard uh, the speaker share that Abraham was was called to obey God in that thing that was going to bring God the most glory, it made me think about the gifts and the talents that I may have and that I hold on to sometimes so tightly. And I'm like, no, God would never want me to let this go. But God wants us to have that mentality that no, we have sword back and we're willing to let it go completely. And that's oftentimes the same thing God's going to use the most in our life. Those are just two highlights. Um, When I think about God's grace in my life, I think, how would my my story begin if it was written in the Bible? And, yeah, his grace is just his favor in my life that's not contingent upon my merit. How he has placed me where he did, when he did. How he surrounded me with grace in my entry into this world my upbringing, my surroundings, my continued development. It's a strange thought for a 20-year-old. Like I said, I'm very futuristic. So thinking about the past isn't something I typically do. So reflecting on God's grace, it, its I think it's huge. It's, it's a super important concept. And I think even Pastor Kerry just asking me to share caused me to say, okay, stop thinking about future and think about past. and And just thinking about maybe one of the biggest ways I feel like God has blessed me is allowing me to grow up in the church. And when I look around, that's not a a gift or or a blessing a lot of people get. But from a young age, when I was born, my parents were going to church. My parents were Christians and committed to the faith. And I think that's one of the the biggest ways God's shown me grace, common grace in my life. I also think about transformation in my life. When I think about transformation, I mean, obviously you can think salvation event. But then you think about transformation, like in sanctification more recently. It's so easy for me, and I'm, I'm sure for many of you, to think, how am I performing now as opposed to how I was performing a year ago? And that's kind of what my mind went to when, when he asked us to share on, on transformation. And I was like, honestly, I'm still doing a lot of things I shouldn't do. And a lot of things I should do, I'm not doing So I started thinking, have I been transformed? Am I being transformed? First, I think about it from an eternal eternal perspective. And in light of eternity, what, what this life on earth means and the influence that it has, think about transformation in that light. So I think, I've gone from death to life, from damnation to paradise, from darkness to light. Yes, I have been transformed. Despite how I feel at times, the trajectory of my life, of eternity, is radically, is radically different because of the transformational work of Christ. So God has big picture transformed my life. But he is also transforming me continually. He is transforming my mindset and desires. I want to share with you how this has played out in the immediate sense. Going to Moody has been great. Many awesome things have come from it. I've grown to time. I've met so many solid students and professors. In my first year at Moody, I grew a ton. I was disciplined in my walk with God. Um, I just grew, and that first year was great. But then I started to grow complacent. I think there were several factors that, that uh, led to this. One of those was that I can get really busy. So I'm very committed to high academic standard and to working a ton. So I got almost too busy for God. And I was like, how is God, the day-to-day relationship with God relevant to my life? And it just didn't fit. I couldn't figure it out. I was like, why, why, would, I, why would I need that? Like, I'm, I'm making good money. I'm paying for school. I'm getting good grades. Like, what, what relevance does God have to this? And then at Moody, you're studying the Bible and you're studying about God. So I think that's another factor that led me to go complacent was just academic study of God, which is an awesome opportunity, but can also like, lead you to have this academic mindset about God in general. And my underlying beliefs, my core beliefs about God, um, started to be void of, of personal or relational dimensions. And I didn't, think, I didn't think God really cared on a personal level. He didn't care about the day-to-day. He wasn't a relational God. And I think this past so I was really really busy last semester and then I had Christmas break and Christmas break I had time to think. and I started thinking, okay like I, I really do want to have a personal relationship with God and, and I am challenged by this idea that does God really care? Is he relational? But then I started thinking about things in my life where God's shown me so much care, has blessed me in so many ways. And at some level, I was asking God. I said, okay, God, you say you care. Prove it. And I wasn't thinking about how he already has proved it. And th- even this aspect of e- eternal transformation, life transformation, is just clearly God cares. He sent his son. And, and I was just blind to that. But so, so I started thinking about my outward actions. I wanted to be more consistent in my day-to-day walk with God. All, all my life until the um, last year, I, that has been something super... It was super, it was there. And it just fell off, and I grew complacent. And over Christmas break, I started thinking, okay, this is something I want to get back in the habit of doing. This is something I want to implement. So I tried. So I started thinking about it from from an outward perspective. I was like, okay, I need to do this more, and I don't need to do this. And I started realizing, that's not how transformation works. If transformation only takes place on the most outward level, that's all we'll get at best. Just the outward's going to change, but when we seek God and we ask Him to transform our heart and our desires, it will permeate and radiate through our actions eventually. And that's that's one thing I'm realizing is instead of maybe seeking to just change the things in the outward, uh, outwardly to make myself feel better about how I'm performing spiritually, rather just to ask God, God, will You just transform my mindset? Will You transform my heart? And and yeah, that's that's just one big way I've been transformed in um, yeah, back to the mission. Finally, mission, seeing mission in my life, or just that, that aspect, is I do think a lot of Abraham and Isaac. And it's, I, I have a pretty good idea, oh, this is what I want to do, this is the direction I'm headed. And understanding that, that direction, these gifts that's, that God has given me, are for his glory. And daily, I need to remember that. And daily, I need to bring those things before him and say, God, how can I best use these for you? Thank you.